with our team in Redemption Kids this morning. Kids, you guys have a great time learning about Jesus. And I would like to invite the rest of you to open your copy of God's Word. You can turn on your app to Luke chapter 14. All right, that's not 1 Corinthians 14. A little switch it up this morning. Uh, we're going Luke 14. And as you turn there, I want to welcome all of our guests. I know some of you are here to see a friend or family member baptized. Uh, others of you uh, have maybe come with another friend or found us online. We're so grateful that you've chosen to come and worship with us today. God is at work in our city. He's at work in our church. And uh, we love it when we're able to meet new friends and build new relationships. So uh, we would love for you to download our church app. You can find that on any app store. And you'll notice that on the homepage, there's a digital connect card. Uh, you can click on that, take 30 seconds, fill it out. And it's just our way of seeking to get to know you. Uh, we'll follow up with a quick little uh, message this week, nothing major. And, uh, you know, just want to want to get to know you. And thank you for joining us. Um, a couple of other just exciting pieces to share with you. Uh, yesterday, we had an amazing time with our Thanksgiving meal giveaway. So just look at this. I mean, we had over 100 participants, over 185 meals were delivered all over Medford. And that was because uh, so many of you gave out of your financial resources. We raised over $4,500 uh, to contribute to the needs in our community. So I just want to say great job, Redemption Hill. Thank you. We want to be a church that is known not just for talking a good game about Jesus, but actually living it out on the daily. And serving our city is one of the primary ways we do that. It's not just at Thanksgiving time. We look for opportunities throughout the year uh, to, to meet needs and be a blessing in our community. Uh, so that was a great experience. Thank you for everyone who participated. But then we know that next month there's another big holiday coming, Christmas, all right? And our Christmas celebration, we want you to save the date. It is December 21st. That's a Wednesday night, all right? And we are going to have our Christmas celebration, a Christmas concert uh, at 6 p.m. There's going to be uh, kids' festivities and activities before this, the celebration and concert that's going to happen at 7. We have a special music guest my new friend, Caleb Oakboy McCoy, all right, this dude doesn't just sing a few bars, he raps them too. So he's going to have a couple raps that are uh, his, you know, original songs, as well as some songs that we can all sing along with, as well as some mashups. So it's just going to be a great night. There's going to be a message uh, that you're going to be able to receive. It is obviously a great opportunity, not just to be here, but to spread the word, bring some friends for just an awesome celebration as we celebrate the coming of Jesus Christ into the world. So mark your calendars. Be here on the 21st. Well, uh, as we get into God's word today, uh, as I was preparing for this morning, I kept hearing these words in my mind from my childhood where my pastor who would baptize person after person after person, including me, would always end those baptisms by quoting Luke chapter 14, verse 22, 
which says, the servant said to the master, sir, what you commanded has been done and still there is room. Can you say there's more room? That, that was a little weak. I think I, I think I led you in a weak way, so you said it in a weak way. Let's try that again. There's more room. There's more room. There's more room. This is the message of Jesus Christ. This is the message of the gospel. And this is what we see in Luke chapter 14, verses 12 through 24. So listen carefully as I read these words for us. Luke writes this. He said also to the man who had invited him. This is Jesus saying to the man. He's at a house of a fa- the Pharisees, and they're, they're enjoying a meal together. And this is what Jesus teaches them. He says, when you give a, din- a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors who has an imagination to know that this is exactly who was invited to the Pharisee's house in this day. And Jesus, the bold teacher and preacher, just goes ahead and tells it like it is and say, hey, when you have a banquet or a feast, don't invite all these people who are the easy invites, who make you comfortable, who might be able to further your agenda. But he says, don't invite them lest they also invite you in return. And you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. When one of those who reclined at table with him heard these things, he said to Jesus, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. But he, Jesus, said to him, A man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, He sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a field, and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry, and said to his servant, go out quickly to the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in the poor and crippled and blind and lame. And the servant said, sir, 
what you commanded has been done. And still there is room. And the master said to the servant, go out to the highways and the hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. Let's pray one more time. Father, we know that your word is alive because your word, guys, this is, this is your word that is coming straight from your heart to our hearts here this morning. God, we thank you for these words of Jesus, these, this teaching of Jesus. And what he taught these people gathered in a probably small home sharing a dinner one night in first century Israel. And now, God, we thank you for what we can learn. 2,000 years later, as a group of people gathered at a local high school <laughs> to encounter the God of the universe, the God of life. Teach us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hopefully you can imagine the scene. Jesus was the kind of person who loved to hang out with people. It's really good news that our God is a people kind of God. You know, I sometimes think about how God who made the world and everything in it could have just said, you know what, uh, here's your world, here you are, and just good luck with this whole deal because I don't really want to have a lot to do with you. I hope that you can kind of find your way. But you see, the story of the Bible, the, the story of Christianity tells us that there is a God who not only created us and made us, but he made us in his image. He made us to know him, to love him, to experience all of who he is. And he made us to have a real relationship with him. And so God was so passionate about us knowing him that he sent his one and only son, God the Son, into the world in the form of a baby. We're going to celebrate that next month. And he grew up and he lived a perfect life and he started his ministry roughly at the age of 30 and he was teaching like no one had ever heard and he was doing things that no one had ever seen. And people were amazed. They were taken by his message and his miracles. And people started to follow him from all over the place. But Jesus says, look, I'm not here to build, uh, you know, an empire or a new kingdom. I am actually here to give my life for you. And this is what he does on the cross. And Jesus walks amongst the people of Israel. And he doesn't just come for a couple of princes or a couple of rich people who could, you know, make his life easy. You see, Jesus had an eye for 
those that he talks about here in verses 12 through 14. Jesus had an eye for those that no one else had an eye for. Jesus wanted to spend time with the people who were left on the margins of society. They were forsaken. They were, they were left to themselves. We're talking about the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind. This is the kind of God we worship. And there's a picture here for us to consider. Because as we hear this message of Jesus, we all, as we consider what it might be like to meet God one day, I think the inclination of every heart, every human heart is, man, if I believe in God and I believe I'm going to meet God one day, then I better get ready for that day. Which means I need to get my life in order and I need to kind of, you know, put my spiritual resume together and make sure that, you know, I'm doing enough good things and that my good deeds kind of outweigh my bad deeds. And, and then maybe, just maybe when I meet God face to face that he is going to say, you know what, you, you tried pretty hard. You, you're, you were pretty good. But which, of course, we mean that we're kind of better than the next person that we compare ourselves to. But what we find with Jesus is that Jesus sees right through. He sees right through our facade and the masks that we wear. And he knows that deep down, deep down we're all spiritually blind. We're spiritually lame. We're spiritually crippled. We're spiritually destitute and forsaken. We're spiritually poor. We have nothing to offer a glorious and holy God. Because the Bible tells us that we all have forsaken him and we've gone our own way. And we said, God, no thank you to your plan. I'm going to, as Andrew shared in his story, I am going to be the king of my life and I am going to do things my way. And I don't need your, you and your plan, God. Which is why it's amazing. It's amazing that we get to this moment at dinner. Don't forget, this is, a, this is a dinner. Like they're really eating a meal. You know, Jesus got hungry, by the way. Did you, know, did you know that? He's the son of God, fully God, also fully man. And I don't know about you men and women, but I get hungry. And Jesus got hungry too. So he is eating this meal with these friends and he's teaching them about the kingdom of God. And he's just told them this parable about, hey, you need to watch who you're inviting because God has a heart for everyone and not just the people that confront your agenda. And then it triggers this thought in this one dude's mind. And he says, hey, Jesus, blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. And this, my friends, is a very true statement. It's a very true statement. 
if you're eating bread in the kingdom of God, you're in the kingdom. You are, you are in that place where God's rule and reign, his benevolent goodness is known in every inch and fabric of our world. This is what is coming. And as we sometimes say at Redemption Hill, when we think about the kingdom of God, we're talking about all that our hearts long for is becoming the forever reality. The place where there's no more pain, no more sickness, no more sin, no more sorrow. This is what is coming, the kingdom of God. And so I don't know about you, but if that's what's coming, that's where I want to be. And so this dude is, hey, Jesus, you're talking about this, this, this meal and this feast. Well, there's a feast coming. And everyone who is a part of that feast, oh, they're blessed. They're happy. They're joyful. They are full of life. But what Jesus does... What Jesus does is he turns their thinking upside down. Because they still haven't caught the lesson that he's teaching them about who is invited to the feast and, and who is actually going to show up at the feast, who is actually going to eat the bread in the kingdom of God. Because, you see, they, they thought that, well, it's the, it's the people who are kind of higher in society, the people who have the great jobs and make a lot of money, who, you know, are kind of influential uh, on the streets of Jerusalem and the surrounding villages. Like, these are the people that God is going to want in his kingdom, and they don't need to do anything special because look how special they are already. And so Jesus tells this story about who's going to enter the kingdom, but, but not just that. We have here such a beautiful revelation, a display of the heart of God. Verse 16, but he said to him, a man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And, and see, what you need to understand about Jewish society is kind of like, kind of like, Weddings in our culture, because weddings are planned far out in advance, and people need to make plans, and sometimes travel arrangements, and this and that, and we need to make sure that we got all the food and all this stuff. You know, what do you get? You get a first invitation that is what? An RSVP that is essentially a save the date. Well, in Jewish culture, they didn't just do these for, like, big weddings. If there was a feast, if there was something important they would do this kind of thing as well. So verse 16, a man once gave a great banquet and he sent out his RSVPs. But then when the time had come for the banquet, verse 17 says, and at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, come, come for everything is ready. I mean, this banquet would have blown your mind. 
all of it. I just went to a wedding, by the way, last Friday in Orlando, Florida. I married a couple who was a part of our church, part of our community group, uh, Gilson uh, Fernandez and Aaron Maza, uh, now Fernandez. And uh, they, they, they did it upright because not only was it a nice ceremony officiated by, you know, one of their favorite friends, but um, also after the ceremony, we not only let the music play and, you know, had some fun, but what did they have over to my left? The Brazilian barbecue. Yes, the Brazil, and it was, I'm telling you, it was so good. They had some dishes that I had never heard of before, and, and all of the sides, and they said, hey, we've got so much, you can come back. I mean, Pastor Tanner not just went back once, twice, I think I went back three times, and then I got a couple. I mean, when it's feast time, I feast. I just, I don't feel like, you know, there's that, that verse about gluttony, and we need to pay attention to it in America, hello. But, you know, it's like a feast is a feast for a reason. So this Thursday, Thanksgiving, just don't feel bad about overeating just a little bit. Just don't make it an everyday habit, all right? There you go. Freedom in Christ. There, there you have it. This great banquet, it would have been filled with the, the richest of foods and the, the, the finest wine and, and the greatest, uh, you know, environment and the, the, the tables and the, the tablecloths and just everything about it would have been next level. And we would think that a great banquet with so many invitations out there that once it was time, everyone would be ready and everyone would come. But verse 18 says this, but they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to the servant, well, I bought a field. I got to go check it out. It's important to me. I spend a lot of money on it. I need to take care of it. I need to be excused. I'm not coming. The second says something like it. I didn't buy a field. I bought five yoke of oxen. They can get a lot of work done. They can make me a lot of money. I need to go take care of them. Please have me excused. And another said, I, I, hey, listen, I, that was nice. I got the invitation. But you know what? I, got, I just got married. And my, my wife kind of wants me around. And she didn't get the invitation. Like, so I'm going to, I need to tend to her needs. I'm not coming. And, and what we see here, what the parable is communicating is that all of these three responses are, in fact, not reasons, but excuses. They're, they're excuses. In other words, they could have made other preparations and still made the feast. They could have chosen the greater priority, but instead they made excuses and they missed out. And I'm here to tell you today, that dozens upon hundreds, upon thousands, upon millions of people in our city 
are so caught up in the things of Boston. Make more money. Achieve more. After all, I got like three degrees. I need to like pay the student loans off. But, you know, after that, like, I need to at least like get a good car out of this or something. And we work and we work and we work. And we watch our Patriots and Celtics and Bruins and Sox and Patriots and Bruins and Celtics and Sox. And, and we like to have our fun. Encore on Friday night and, oh, man, the, the women are there and, you know, the, the, the bubbly is what's up. And it's like we got to get our pleasure in. We got to do our thing. God, oh, yeah, God. God's God. God's cool. Like, God will be around. God, God will be around. When I, when I get to God, I'll get to God. See, what Jesus does is this. He says that any human endeavor, any human relationship is not the ultimate priority. If you see what is to be seen of the God of all glory beyond comparison. You see, everything that we love in this world Banner 18 this year. We prophesy it in Jesus' name. I mean, we are 11 and 12 and 3. We just like, nobody can beat us right now. When we get all healthy, Brogdon and Time Lord back and all these dudes, like, man, just look out. The Lakers are 3 and 50. I mean, this is great. We love this season in the NBA. But it's like banners and, and accomplishment, and listen, work, all these things, these are just the, Jonathan Edwards say, these are just the faintest whispers. These are but the streams. God is the ocean. C.S. Lewis would say, we settle for making mud pies in the slum because we don't understand what vacation is at the beach. And so we keep chasing all of these little things that we think are going to satisfy us. Only to discover that we're never satisfied. Augustine said, our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. So the servant, verse 21, the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame. And I need to just pause here because if, if we're reading this as like 2022 Americans who like, you know, like God is, is love and God is grace and God is merciful and God angry. Let me rewind. God is love. God is gracious. God is merciful. 
But if we didn't have a jealous God, we would not have a God worth knowing, loving, or following. Because listen, if you've ever been committed to another person that you love with all your heart, and someone or something creeps in to jeopardize that love, all hell's breaking loose. Right? This is, this is how much God loves us. This is how much God wants us. And not only that, it is an affront to the amazing reality of his love in Jesus Christ when we say, you know what, God? You just did everything for me. You just set the table. You just got the Ruth's Chris steak and everything else, and you paid the ultimate price for me to have a seat at the banquet. And I say, you know what? Your son's not that important. Your son's not worth paying attention to. Your son's not good enough. God the Father's not super happy about that. And we shouldn't want him to be. But, 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 listen to this. God's heart. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but if I'm God and I get these excuses, I'm just like, hey, this is my party. It's all for me. You guys had your chance. You're done. Not God. God says this. Go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city. Bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, the blind, the lame. And the servant said, sir, what you commanded has been done. And say it with me. And still there is room. You guys, I wanted you to actually say it with me that time and not after me. So say it with me. And still there is room. There's more room. God's so generous that he wants every person to have the opportunity, even the second chance opportunity, even the third, the fourth, the fifth chance opportunity to say yes to his invitation. And so he says, go out to the highways and the hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. This is what we learn about God. God loves you more than you can imagine. God offers us an unimaginable feast. And that feast is nothing other than the feast of Jesus Christ himself. Because you see, the greatest gift that God wants to give us is not peace, it's not joy, it's not, I mean, these things are great. But the greatest gift God gives is the gift of himself. God wants a relationship with every single one of us. And the price that he paid to make it happen 
was the priceless blood of his son on the cross. Because yet, while we were separated from God, Romans 5, 8 says, but God demonstrated his love for us in this, that while we were sinners and separated from God, Jesus died for us. He died to bring us back into a relationship with God. So he opens his arms to us. And he says, I want you back. I want you to come home. I want you to enjoy the feast that I prepare for you like no other. It's ready. Now is the time. And so today, I want to ask you, have you not just simply heard the invitation, but have you said, I'm on my way? Have you taken your seat at the table because God has prepared a place for you and your name tag is right there on the table? But you have to show up. You have to show up. And so listen, if, if you have never said, God, I see who you are. I understand how I've done my own thing and made my excuses and I'm chasing a thousand other things that are decent but not ultimately satisfying. And, and now, God, now I see that, that you've invited me in to the greatest feast and you paid the price by sending Jesus to live the life I should have lived and die the death that I should have died, where he died for my sin, that I might be forgiven of every one of my sins, past, present, and future. And that I might become one of your sons and daughters. If you've never said yes to God, to his invitation, Today is the day. Today is the day. And so what I want to do is this. I just want to encourage everyone to bow your head and close your eyes just for a minute. We're going to bring our time to a close. The music is going to come up. But before we sing, I want to give everyone an opportunity to make sure that your yes is on the table, that you are on your way to the feast. And so if you've never said yes to God's invitation, but you desire to do that, that you hear a voice that is more than a human voice coming through some speakers today, but you know that God is saying, yes, that's you. Yes, I love you. Even though you've chased after all of these other pursuits, I've still been pursuing you. If that's you today and you want to say yes to God, I want to just ask you to raise your hand super high just so that I can see it, so that I can pray over you as you take this step to follow Christ today. There's no pressure, but if God is saying, hey, this is you, and I want to invite you to my feast, I just want you to raise your hand so we can celebrate with you and we can pray over you. And there's another group of people I want to ask. If you've followed Christ, but you've never taken this step of baptism. And you would say, you know what? 
yeah, I need to, I need to share uh, what, what God has done in my life. I need to give this outward display of this inward transformation that God has brought in my life. And I'm ready to explore that step. Would you just raise your hand today so we can see you, so that we can pray over you as well. Awesome. All right. So let's, let's all pray and listen. This, this message is as much for the follower of Jesus who has taken your seat at the table because, listen, we get distracted and we get compelled by other invitations when God is saying, just enjoy the feast. Just enjoy the feast that I have prepared for you. So, Father, we thank you. We thank you for the message of the gospel. We thank you for the blood of Jesus Christ. We thank you that you open your arms to people who simply do not deserve your love. And you say, come home. The feast is ready. And so, God, it's our prayer of gratitude today to say thank you for loving us the way you have. Thank you for giving us everything you've given us through the life, death, and resurrection of your son, Jesus Christ. And God, it's our prayer that we would see more and more people step into this. God, thank you for every decision that's being made here in this place today to step into the life of Christ for the first time, to go all in with baptism the next time. We're baptizing people for just to enjoy you more, the feast that you have prepared. God, we thank you for every heart you are touching right now, right now, right now. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand and let's sing together.